Brooklyn Radio, alright? This is how we doing it, New York style. This is Small Talk, and my name is DJ Ayers, and I'm here with an old friend, uh, Rockticon. Hey. A.K.A. Andy. Uh, DJ who, Andy. <laughs> um, who uh, just had some sort of a run-in with a Hare Krishna. Can you tell me about that? No, you know, this is going to sound absurd. I just got out of yoga, and I'm hungry, and I was taking a train over here. And on the F train, there's all there's like Hare Krishna's, like a full band with dancers and it's like so loud and just so abrasive it's like friday night i'm tired i just want to like be left alone and get on the train like a normal person mind my own fucking business it's just like so loud and so abrasive it's like portly little harry krishna girl like walks over to me and tries to give me a like a card like you know our god is with you and i'm just like fuck off <laughs> I, I literally said get the fuck away from me and she just like went on to the next person. I think she's probably used to being treated. I felt bad though. Cause I don't like to yell at people anymore. <laughs> Why did you stop yelling at people? Oh, it's just, you know, you gotta have a positive mental attitude. Um, when, when I got into, uh, like a fist fight on tour a few years ago, I told you about <laughs> it afterwards. And, uh, you were like, what are you so angry about? <laughs> and, <laughs> That's the funniest thing to come out of my mouth. What am I so, what are you so angry of all people to say that? <laughs> but like it, it just, but I hadn't even thought about it that, it, that that I would have some like psychological predisposition to being angry. It's just like, oh no, I mean, because I grew up in Mississippi, like you just fight people for no reason, really. You don't need much of a reason to like get into a fist fight with somebody but it really is kind of fucking crazy to like get into a fight with somebody you don't know whether you've been drinking or not oh it, you know i got into fights when i was in all the way through school like through kind of like not quite not really in high school but elementary school and junior high i got in fights but were you always tall no yeah i think so i don't really yeah i think so not like tall tall i'm not i, I don't consider myself to be like a tall tall person but I was always How like tall you? You're like six feet tall though, right? No, I'm like six two-ish. Yeah, it's pretty tall. Six, three. But it's not like basketball tall. No. It's like... like It's not like DJ it's 11 like steal where people your won't fight you. It's like steal, you, yeah. steal your girlfriend's tall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like girls in Williamsburg like, oh, like you're tall. But I'm not like really tall, but I'm just like tall because these guys are all short. Yeah. Um. It's But it's not like DJ 11 where you're so tall that people just like little guys get drunk and then want to pick a fight with you because it's like, oh, that guy thinks he's tough because he's big. It's not that like scary. No, tall. no, no. I'm I'm not. Also, I'm like sort of, I'm not, I'm not skinny. I'm not, I'm big and tall, but I'm not, I just don't come, I'm like not non-threatening really. People don't really try to fight me. Um, Did, uh, did you get fat? like when you were like 13 or whatever before you got no tall? the only time i got fat was when i was traveling for djing there was like a year in there where nobody really saw me where i was like fat i was fat did you um you were eating a lot of popeyes then right i'm always eating a lot of anything yeah but yeah popeyes whatever you eat on the road you eat like shit and i don't really, i don't drink so all i really did is my two vices on the road were like pornography and food so I would like get into, I would like, I knew what I wanted to eat and like from town to town and I would like gorge myself on food and then masturbate. Yeah. Like three or four times before my gig. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> that's like but, not, that's actually not a joke. That's but, really but, what but I, I mean, do. aren't you, aren't you supposed to like have, have a little bit of, uh, a little bit of tiger blood in you before you DJ? Like if you 
if you spill all that all over the towels in your hotel room, aren't you going to go in, into it like not so hungry? No, DJing for me is really is super non-sexual. So like I, I you've get, heard that before though, right? Like guys who say don't jerk off before you. Yeah, work. that you know that's I, I'm the opposite. Like there's there's no that there's no uh, you know it's ve- it's never for it's supposed to be like a sex it's like maybe a sexual thing for other people and like I play for I really I notice these days like when I DJ I really mostly just think about women. I find like men in nightclubs to be like really irritating and I just kind of play for women. And, um, but it's not a set. It's very like non-sexual. Like when girls hit on me, when I'm DJing, I'm like, can you please leave me alone? Like get away from me. Uh, I just find it's like, it's like icky. I don't know. It's, I just like too, like I've always been like focused on the thing you get. Like I get like tuned into the thing and then like sex is just like, get it away. And, and, and then like, also like I always worked in clubs for a long time and you know, the girls, it's like you, it's like, those like four hours I spend at work are like the four hours where your average person is like the worst version of themselves. They'll be all week long. Yeah. So I just find everyone to be sort of like repulsive. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's probably, it's, you know, it's good sometimes to like save up the poison and use it for your advantage, but it was never for me. I like to just be like comatose, like incapable of getting an erection and pound a couple of Red Bulls and just get to it. <laughs> and uh, you're into suicide girls, like really heavy. I would not say really heavy, but, you know, I joined in the early aughts. What do you like? Maybe like 2000. I think, you know, I remember when I joined, I think I, I joined when I was living in Brooklyn and I got my first computer because I never had a computer before like 2002 or I think 2002. And I was like, I'm joining this thing. And I've been a member ever since, you know, a lot of my, the girls in my favorites on suicide girls have since retired but I still masturbate to their pictures from like 2006. <laughs> and honestly, I could really say if I was like really fucking rich or if I was like James Franco, like what I would do with my money, if I didn't have a girlfriend, hi to my girlfriend, don't listen to this. If I, if I had money, I would hire a private detective to find out like which suicide girls, like where, like what their real names were and then be like, hey, would you like to hang out with me? That's like not a joke. That's what I fantasize about doing. Like if I was like super rich and they would, because they take off their clothes for money. Well, you know, that's the thing though. Suicide girls are tricky. There's like two types. There's like, you're a fucking whore. And there's like, Oh, I'm like a girl who's just like, you know, like, like empowered and I'm doing this. It's like kind of like a woman-y kind of like feminist. Yeah, feminist like kind, yeah, like, or Seattle. Or yeah. There's like a feminist shit. thing. Like, Cause I knew this one chick that was like friends of my friend and like, and you know she was on suicide girls and i, I try to fuck her and and um she wanted me to she was like why don't you take me out and i was just like what are you talking about i don't want to fucking go on a date with you i want to have sex like now and she wasn't into it she like she was like date or nothing and i was like peace yeah so that i've so i've actually never had sex with i don't think i've ever had sex with an actual suicide girl but that type well, yeah, I mean, I have had sex with a God's girl, which is like a shittier version of suicide girls. <laughs> they, you know, what, the way I would describe it is they use dildos on God's girls and they don't on suicide girls. It's like the penthouse to, to suicide exactly. girls. Playboy. Playboy. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I don't think anybody reads suicide girls for the articles though. No, they have, in, they have interesting interviews with a lot of creative types. You know, they, they interview everybody, you know, people have to do publicities for their movies, books and whatever. So they interview everybody that's sort of like altish 
I've Did never, they really? I've, yeah, yeah. They have all interviews, the whole thing. It's like a really. It's a culture website. No shit. I had no yeah, idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not just like pictures. They have like interviews, like you know, they interview Dita Von Teese or like you know, like one of that guy that directed Pi. What's his name? <laughs> Who directed the movie with the drugs with ass to ass? Like whatever his. Oh name. yeah. They oh, interview yeah. people like yeah, him. Horrible. Like director. Yeah, exactly, exactly. But like like people that like or you know like. You know, they probably interview like Quentin Tarantino and shit like that. Is there a crossover w- with that an actual like horror movie type shit? Oh, yeah, yeah, like yeah. People- Suicide Girls love horror movies. Yeah, okay. Oh I, oh, I dated this one girl also when I was living in Brooklyn. This Canadian chick who used to, she, I guess she was before, like when she lived in Canada, she was like Buck 65's girlfriend. Is yeah. That, like a rap, Canadian rapper. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah. She Shout out to Scratch Bastard who, who like DJ'd and produced for Buck 65. Yeah. So Buck 65's ex-girlfriend, when she was living in Brooklyn, she has a lot of star tattoos. Great girl. She loved horror movies. And like, you know, at her house, like horror movie, horror movie, horror movie, horror movie, horror movie, like how to cope with your eating disorder book, horror movie, horror movie, horror movie. <laughs> Do you fuck with, uh, with horror movies? Yeah, I mean, I like Evil Dead, but maybe I only like Evil Dead so I can like talk to Suicide Girls. <laughs> I don't know, but I mean, I I don't like die for horror movies, but you know, I I, I see some of them. I have a weird like. Fo- I know who I Bruce know. Campbell is. Oh, yeah, I don't know who that is. He's like the guy from Evil Dead, and he's in a lot of other movies like Bubba Hotep and shit like that. I it, it, I don't I don't I I think I'd, I I I like psych myself out of liking horror movies and like my wife likes them uh and she can never really get me to watch them because uh for me just gratuitous like slashing and cutting for some reason i have a weird phobia about that and like i I don't mind the really good kind of more serious things but the the shit that's just like you know fucking hostile or saw or whatever like i haven't ever watched or would want to touch any of that shit hostile's chill I like Hostel. I enjoyed Hostel. It's pretty chill. Um, Saw, you know, I've seen a few of them. There's a lot of them. I've seen a few of them. Saw's all right. I don't hate it. Um, yes, but what I don't like personally, I really don't like when they start pulling teeth out. And I also oh, don't like, yeah. I don't like when they cut the back of people's ankles, like they're Achilles or something like that. Oh yeah, that. Pet Cemetery. they Yes, do that. there's a scene with that, with the, the, the one of them Ugh. has a scalpel in Pet Cemetery, and it's, that's really gnarly. But like, if you cut somebody's arm off, I'm like, ooh, cool. But I guess everybody has their things. Like, some people might be like weird about eyes or like fingers. I don't know. Yeah, I, eyes and cutting, cutting hands, and uh, I, I just have this weird thing about slicing. I don't know what it is. But yeah, I mean, I like the ring. The ring was cool. I didn't see the Japanese one, but the American ones are like, kind of scary. I saw the Japanese one. I think maybe not. I don't know. The American I, one's good. I, I end it. up enjoying them, and, and like, doesn't freak me out nearly as much as I think. I, I just uh, going into it, it always. I mean, they're never, I don't like get excited when they're on demand. Like sometimes I'll see them. Yeah. Um, What's the weirdest place that you've ever jerked it? (laughs) Shit. Um, I went through a phase. I was like maybe 14 or 15 where I was like, I'm going to do this everywhere. And I'll give you three and people don't believe me. The first one that I was, it was like a little weird was like, I was like in drama class. It was like in the, the school like theater so i went behind like some wood you know some like wood sets from another from another you know from a play and like in between these wood sets that were like leaned up against the wall there was like nobody around so i jerked off and then the next the other two next levels was 
one time I actually masturbated JOTC jack off to completion on a bicycle. I picked a, like a, it's in the suburban neighborhood in Virginia. I picked a long, slow sloping hill. So I would never have to pedal. And it was really, really late at night. It's, you know, three in the morning in, in the suburbs, there's really no cars around and you'll see headlights coming. You'll, so you'll be able to button up in time. So I actually JLTC on a bicycle on a nice slow suburban downward slope. That's and then also, really also the, the yellow line train in Washington, DC from by my parents live closest to the Braddock road station on the yellow line. If you know the DC Metro, it's a, it's a Virginia station, Braddock road, Braddock road to national airport is long. And I got on a car once and I was like, it was, I think it was early. It was like an off time of day and there was no one in my car. And I was like, Braddock road to Reagan. It's long jack off. So I jacked off and just kind of, I don't, I don't remember exactly where the load I put, but, and then by the time I got to Ronald Reagan, I was done, buttoned up and just relaxed. <laughs> Those are true stories. <laughs> true masturbation stories. The, I think the weirdest place I ever jerked off was like in the, in a bathroom at, in a, uh, airport or, which is not weird at all. Yeah, but I mean, there's like people in going through there. No, 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 no. Like one, like a bathroom. Oh, like a the Swedish baby, airport the where baby they, changing bathroom. It was it was Swedish, and so they had like individual uh, doors for all of the all these different bathrooms. It's like a little more upscale. Oh, I know what you're talking about. Like a club bathroom where you get your own little door and stuff, and they close the door behind you. And yeah, shit. yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, that's pussy shit. <laughs> as an adult, what about I, as an I adult? I know. I used to work. I used to when I was like 19. I used to work for in the corporate headquarters of the department store hex which is sort of like a like a marginally same maybe lower tier than macy's and i would I w- our job was to print out these reports that would come into this computer system we print these reports and then take them around to the to the you know the, the not the salespeople but the buyers so you know this you know there's all these buyers and like you know buy, and when you're 19 like the buyers are hot like the woman's whatever buyer is like a 28 year old chick that like went to maybe went to FIT or like some other school and had to settle for this like shitty buying job in Virginia. And like, I was like 19. I don't know. I thought they were hot and I would go deliver my reports and then I'd go down to the bathroom, like where our printers were and just jack off. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, yo, just like get hyped. (laughs) I got fired from that job. Go figure. Unrelated to yeah. that, just disappearing for, for for long stretches of time. Probably it was in the bathroom. Did <laughs> they probably tried to fire you a couple of times before that, but they couldn't find you. Um. So what else are we going to talk about? Can we talk about Chief Keef? Yeah, yeah. Because I was listening to this podcast, this New York Times podcast, and they were talking about Chief Keef, and like a lot of my friends have been talking about Chief Keef, and it's like it's like a interesting thing it will it's it's a weird divisive thing for critics and, and there, yeah there's this there's this I'm interested like, in that t- that discussion it's like it's like rockism when you know people wouldn't like acknowledge hip-hop when the rock critics wouldn't acknowledge hip-hop at all like now hip-hop's become popular and so everybody likes to talk about these like sort of darlings uh uh of hip-hop and, and they then over acknowledge it, makes, it i feel like kind of what's that chief keef they did no i mean rock critics just like to read too much into rap Oh yeah, well it it, it the, yeah. There's that whole thing where people take 
the words really literally because these guys are saying them instead of singing them. And because, it, I mean, rap does tend to be somewhat more literal, but I mean, even so, it they don't, yeah, they, they hardly ever want to take into account that somebody's playing character or that they're imbibing like this fantasy that their listeners then are buying into, yeah. you know? It's just like this fucking guy like literally shoots people because he says he shoots people on a record. But Keith maybe does, his friends maybe do shoot people though. Cause like Rick Ross doesn't shoot anybody. Most, most of these guys, like Drake is a, Drake is a Canadian, Canadian actor starring in the role of a lifetime as a rapper. And he, he deserves a lot of credit cause he's great. He's great. Drake is great in the role of rap star. He should have as many Canadian Oscars as they make, you know, like all the Canadian Oscars to Drake. You know, sometimes I like his songs. Sometimes I don't. Um, but like Keith is like weird. It's like he's kind of scary. Like that shit sounds scary. Well, and like, I mean, I'll tell you what, just living in Brooklyn, I'm fucking scared of black teenagers in general. Like I'm, I'm a lot better than I used to be. But but it, but it's that kind of thing of like kids get out of school and they travel in packs and they're on the train. Uh, I think that's all. I think black teenagers is a little. I mean, I think all teenagers are like that. Urban teenagers, like packs of teenagers are scary. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, but no, it, I know what you mean. I know because they're my, loud and they seem like they have nothing to my lose. Brother, my brother like, used to live at Smith Bergen and those, those kids out there, that should be good. Those kids out there in the afternoon are they wild. They're yeah. Like wild. Yeah. 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 They're, they're, they're loud and there's a bunch of them and they seem like they have nothing to lose. And that's what, well, that's what I grew up was like. Happened. DC was like that. Yeah. I would get on the train and I'd be like, Ugh. I was like a kid and I'd be like, whoa, the world is scary. These kids are fucking yelling at me or like whatever, especially being like, you know, you're like 15 and it's 1994 and you're like carrying a skateboard it's, and you're like going into Washington DC on the train. It's like people are fucking with you. Like, yeah. Kids. Yeah. No, I mean, it, it wasn't any different from that having a skateboard and, and purple hair, like at a big public high school in Mississippi either. You know, if anything, it was maybe worse because uh, people hadn't seen that before. Whereas DC, they yeah, seen it's a little bit of it, but it's like a thing. DC, that's not to take anything away from how rough DC was in the nineties. That was, yeah, was the first time I went to DC. We we went and skated at Pulaski and left, and somebody was like, like, they tell you you had to pay to skate there. No, uh, they used to do that to us. I, I was with a, lo- a local and we were oh, okay. like nineteen or whatever. Um, but it, th- we walked like two blocks and went past past some place, and there was somebody who was shot dead, like on the ground, Jesus bleeding Christ. out. You know, like wait, waiting for the ambulance in front oh, of the spot. Oh, that's insane! And it's just like that—that's DC, you know, or it was DC then, anyway. Yeah, it's it's really nice now. Every time I go back, I can't believe it. There's like so many young people, and sort of like the cool. I'll tell you, a cool thing about DC is like we're on another tangent, but the cool, a cool thing about DC is there's really not that many people like doing stuff there. So especially a long time ago, there really weren't. And you know, I think it's still like that now. Maybe there's like a little more people and there's a little, there's a bit more of a scene. There's not that many people doing stuff. So if you do like hip hop and, and like, but you can, you know, the guys that do house and you know, the guys that do this and you know, the guys that do that. And this was like before the internet, even there was just not that many people doing stuff like that you all kind of knew each other and, and like you, you just, you had no choice but to like get into other people's things. Cause there just weren't that many motherfuckers to go around. You know yeah, what I mean? It's not like, it's not like it was in New York where like you could go to a drum and bass club five nights a week at that time. When I and moved, you didn't have to go yes. hear top 40 or backpack rap or fucking anything else. Like when, you could just do that and live in that world. When I moved here 
in like at the end of at the beginning of like I moved in January. I started I started moving my stuff up in January 2002, and at that time in DC, there really was nowhere to play. You there were you couldn't make a you couldn't really make a living unless you played black clubs, and that's what I was trying to do at the time. And and then I came to New York, and it was like well, they have these like mixed clubs and you can like kind of play everything. And so I had, I had built like, I'd started to build like a good foundation of like hip hop, R and B reggae. And then like brought that here. I was just blown away by the fact that like you could go out every night and it was like, you could hang out with exactly the people like you, you always thought you wanted to hang out with or be around. But at the same time, after like a couple of years, I was like, I was like, my world was like a lot whiter than it was in DC and and it was it was kind of it was like it didn't it I wasn't that I was, wasn't close with people because I had close friends but my my world like definitely got a little whiter when I moved here which I thought was like really interesting and I it was it's really it seemed like at the time just because like oh, if you were like in this little thing or like that little thing like you don't have to venture too you don't ever have to venture too far out of your little world because like everyone has their own little thing going on here. I kind of don't know what it's like now, but no, but I mean, it would have been like sway on Monday and then, you, you know, like th- there was spots where you knew who was going to be there yeah. every time and you could not go outside of that. Yeah. Unless and- you were going to go see, you know, Marcy play at, uh, at a, a Highline ballroom or whatever. Like it, unless you're doing something that's not just like the scene. Yeah. I mean, I got really into chicks when I moved here because like, I don't know my like chick world in DC was shit. And like, I was just such a like DJ rat that like, I, you know, I, I started to get into like going to hipster stuff in DC a little bit, but I was so hip hop for so long. And so like in the DJ rat world that when I got here, I was just like, Oh pussy. And I went like, I was like, this is cool. Every girl has like, every girl looks like they're really cool. But, you know, you learn later that they're just like sorority girls and like a Megadeth t-shirt. But like, at first I was just like blown away. It's just like my head fucking fell on the floor. I don't know if it's like that for kids anymore. I, I, I don't, but that's what it was like for me. And I kind of feel, I don't, you know, I don't know. I mean, it's probably like that if you come here from like wherever. But I mean, I think what you were talking about, about, uh, about pornography and shit, like we, we didn't grow up with pornography on the internet in the same way that the kids did, uh, that they do now. And yeah. so, uh, there's a lot less mystery and like inhibitions, I think. Whereas for us, we were, it, it was the chase was probably a little bit more exciting. Like now, now it seems like everybody's a little bit more open who's Yo, younger. So it's m- maybe less exciting. I don't know. My girlfriend's like 10 years younger than me. And I know her through like a lot of these young, young people that, that are, they're, you know, between seven and 10 years younger than me. And these, the guys I know and that I'm friends with a bunch of them, I go to their fucking art openings, like, you know, hang out with them sometimes. The, the, sophist- the level of sophistication of their, like, they're not good at talking to girls. They can't go on a fucking date with a girl. But, like, their level of, like, pussy chasing sophistication is, like, it's pretty intense. But, you know, if you ask one of them to, like, call a girl on the phone there my i asked i told this guy my boy was into this chick and i was like you need, you need to call her and ask her out and it was literally like i you know i asked him to go on like a death mission behind nazi lines he was like whoa i could never do that but the sophistication with that that they have for like they know all the sex acts you know what i mean like we're talking they know like 
they know how to do this stuff physically and they know how to like you know do a little coke and like get a girl in bed in in, in like and in that and they're like you know they're well aware how to like eat a girl's asshole you know my my boy will like eat a girl's asshole but he's afraid to ask her out it's like a weird kind of like young people thing and i i mean i was always like a date i like to go on dates and shit but i feel like people don't really go on dates i was talking to a girl she's almost 30 she's like i've been on like one date in my life yeah. but maybe that's like hipsters don't go on dates they just get drunk and bump into each other until they end up fucking i don't know so yeah back back to chief keef there's there's this like critical descent where where there's these guys who are like oh my god he glorifies gun violence and like he's you know he has a court case and he's a teenager and all this shit and um then the, there's the other side of it it's like um critics who are basically saying like this guy makes really good music i'm not condoning his lifestyle or i don't really care whether what he says is real or not the beats bang it has a good energy like it sounds cool and it's it's uh music that young people like well this is what they were talking about the podcast it was like two different guys like a white critic and a black guy a black critic and who runs a website b dot miller maybe is his name something he runs a a, was the was the white writer nas or um who's the other guy dave david something you know i googled him to make sure he was white he sounded white he was white yeah but basically the 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 white guy, the white guy's point was like, you know, maybe it's not as good as this like spin magazine review of like eight stars, but Chief Keith has some really good beats. And although he's like simple, kind of a simple rapper, there's a hypnotic quality to his music and you, it, it's good. And the, and the, the other guy was like, the beats are good, but he fucking sucks. He can't rap. And the other guy kind of came at it from sort of like a classical hip hop a sort of like a, you know a classical hip hop approach and it was just like a really interesting conversation it's like the, just that conversation of like you know that like sort of like 90s mentality of looking at hip hop and the sort of like new way of looking at hip hop and like i don't know i i personally for the past whatever many years like you know the lyric like lyrics in rap are almost irrelevant yeah but there is like a charisma and and um and flow and like yeah. sitting in the pocket of the beat and whether yes. whether your voice sells it or not. Yes. Because like young Jeezy, well, everybody has a line, right? And yeah. like Gucci Mane, to me, he's all right. I always thought he sounded kind of retarded. I never really was invested in him as an artist. I never got that into Gucci either. I, I, Jeezy, to me, like excites me. You I know, know I, like he's, he's somewhat clever. He's saying dumb shit, but he's like funny when he says it. And you know, Every, I remember when Jeezy either came out. Boy, it doesn't, or you know what I mean, or, or Riff Raff, or not, or Little B, or whatever. You have your line somewhere. I remember when Jeezy came out, and I was approaching it from that place of like he's just being like blah blah blah, and you were like it's really good, and I was like nah, it sucks. And then I got in a car at some point, and I was like, whoa, I think Ayers is right. This is really good. <laughs> and then and, and it took me a little while to like get it with the Jeezy thing. This is like a while ago, but then you know you you're I kind of like figured it out. And and the Chief Keef is like so violent and it just seems like crazy children that are gonna like murder each other. <laughs> and and it's just like it's like freaky. But then after I listened to this damn podcast, they were playing like little snippets of the song, and then I played a couple of the songs at my work on Monday, and I've had these I've had Love Sosa and 
hate being sober stuck in my head. It's insane. I can't get them out of it. Um, and I mean, you know, I can't really rap, but there is definitely like, he's got, there's like a quality, the beats are good. The beats sound cool. And there's like the way he's doing his little nursery rhymes. Like it's like people dig it as a club DJ. It's a pretty hard sell. And, and for a couple of reasons, like when you're, when you're on the East coast, you'll be in certain clubs and you'll play Meek Mill and the manager will be like, whoa, 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 that's too fucking crazy. Like, that's going to bring the wrong element in or whatever. Like, if you're in Chicago and you play Chief Keef, like, they make you stop because kids will wild the fuck out. Yeah, well, I mean, like, that's... fights break out immediately. I never got that. In New York, it's very, like, you know, they the, all the nightclubs have doors. Everybody goes, It's you know, it's weird. It's kind of segregated here in like this weird way because everybody has their own place they go and clubs aren't big anymore. So it's not like everybody together. The last time that everybody was really together in one room was when Bill Spector and those guys did Thursdays at um, it what Crowbar. And this is a long time ago. That's like, you know, almost 10 years ago now. That was the last time you went into a room and you're like, and I, oh, I went into a room and I was like, the fags are over there. The thugs are over here. The DJs are in the corner because Riz is playing or because AM is playing. And like there's girls and like it's mixed and like there's this race and that race. The last kind of time I was like, ooh, everybody's kind of together. Now it doesn't happen that much. Well, the rub is like that, but the rub is like that in Brooklyn. Yeah. And it's not industry. Yeah. Um, But anyway, like I'm saying, so in New York, it was like that. And then when I went to the Midwest, so I'm used to like playing all this hip hop and like you understand that like there's not criminals in the criminals in your club are no better than to like get into drama. You know what I mean? Cause like it's an expensive club or like whatever it's bottle service. They have a door person. There's everybody has their own place, whatever you go to the Midwest and you start playing rap. Like the managers freak the fuck out. Yeah. they like freak out and are like, you have to stop this right now. And it depends on the city. Kansas city was bad is bad about it. It's different cities. Some places in the Kansas city is really fucking hard. It, it, it is right. Like you'll, I mean, I, when I went there, it was with Bun B, and so he draws a particular crowd well, there. Yeah, okay. But that's but that's like really Mr. White folks was literally there, like pimps, <laughs> pimps for, that you know from TV, like live in Kansas City. I mean, East St. Louis is crazy like that too. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's it's weird. Um, but I mean, you know, you know, Meek Mills is a, is another is a is a is interesting records because like. You know, some places I DJ, it won't work. And then other places, it's like huge. And it's not always because of, it's not always like a racial divide. So, you know, it's just, it's DJing's fucking weird, man. Well, I mean, that's what I was going to say about Chief Keef though, too, is that Chief Keef, like, whatever you're, whatever you listen to when you listen to music, like Chief Keef or not, that's fine. But like Chief Keef is also like, fucking 50 or 60 beats per minute you know what i mean like oh, everything's yeah. excruciatingly slow and it's you need really a, hard to play that stuff for those records you need like a real urban hot 97 crowd they're gonna like they're like they, they know, know those words records as as it comes out and they yeah. want they want to hear them and it, and if you have you know you know greenhouse can be like that on saturdays sometimes i dj there like once in a while it's not my fate it's not i feel like i don't shine there but it's fun to dj there because like I'll go into it begrudgingly like, oh, I got to play fucking rap tonight and I got to go through Hot 97 and figure out what's good. But then by the end of the night, I'm like having a great time and I can sneak in like, you know, you can play a lot of different stuff and it's fun. Yeah. But like you can play those, some of those kind of records there and then like, but then if, 
you know, the the crossover in hip hop's really weird now. And like especially since like hip hop like re- those like sort of like those type of records like Keith and these type of Hot 97 Rick Ross records, those hip hop records aren't making that sort of jump over to top 40 that like those the the like the fabulous kind of records would like you know like fabulous would have those hit singles when he first came out and they would be sort of like top 40 records and like nelly records work a little hot 97 but also a little z100 but now like all that rick ross and all that stuff stays on hot 97 but z and the z100 stuff is the Nicki minaj house songs and the pitbull house songs so there's sort of like the a the, the divide between those things has kind of grown and like, you know, certain places I'll play, like, I mean, I'm lucky right now cause I have a couple nights where I kind of do what I want, but certain places you'll play, like, you know, it could be like, an, you'll almost play none of that sort of like sev- like 70 to 90 BPM. And then other places you play like almost only that 70 to 90 BPM. And it, it's interesting. And it's not, you know, when, when the real like crossover, like nightclub thing was really happening. Like when I first moved to New York, like you, you played all the hip hop records and everybody loved it. And it's not that simple anymore. No, I don't know. Blah, 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 blah. I'm old. Blah, blah. <laughs> Life sucks being old. What is trap? I don't know. <laughs> let's, uh, let, let's listen to, uh, to a trap song. You want to put your headphones on? Yeah. Do you, you, am I supposed to let it play or do I just make fun of it or what do I do? You can do whatever you want to. Okay, cool. Let's check it out. Oh, this is good. McGreedy on the track. Have you been at a club where twerking was a thing? Have you seen twerking? I mean, twerking is like a southern dance. Cause I oh, just no, kn- I know about it all along, but like I, I haven't been. I, I see like on Instagram and on Twitter, everybody's like, "Yeah, they were twerking, twerk, twerk, twerk," and I'm like, "It's not." I haven't experienced it as like the cultural phenomenon in the same way that like everybody's like ratchet this and ratchet that, and that's like an old term too, you know? Yeah, I mean, I don't know, cause you say twerk, I think of Ying Yang whistle while you twerk. It's like an old, you know that record? Yeah, of course. I, and I, I, I think it's twerk, and I just think mean like get you like girls down low and like shaking it not yeah. shaking it up and down like booty but sort of like making it clap yes yeah yeah, yeah. well i mean in, that's uh all that fucking 80 beats per minute like clap 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 birthday song oh, and yeah. fucking all that shit is like twerk music oh, okay i mean i don't know I, yeah. and, and um uh rack city and all those things like yeah the, the, those uh i've been to king of diamonds with ross one <laughs> it, it never in your life will you ever see anything as sort of like absurd and wild as king of diamonds for our listeners at home what is king of diamonds king of diamonds is king of diamonds is this you turn this turn this down <laughs> king of diamonds is the strip club out like kind of in suburban my not suburb it's in miami and it's like the one they rap about it's like the most i feel like now it's because since all the, a lot of rappers kind of like moved to miami and everybody hangs out there it's like the rap place King of Diamonds is like the strip club that's most often rapped about. And like the Monday is like 
one of is their bigger nights. Is that the one nights. with like the arcade games in it, and it's just like way over the top, and basketball players go there and all that? It's like kind it's, of far into downtown. Yeah, it's a lot of athletes. It's you know, it's Live Sundays, King of Diamonds Mondays. It's like the Rick Ross kind of like Miami, right? Yeah. So it's a lot of athletes. It's a lot of drug dealers, and yeah, I went with like Ross, and but like, it's not grimy at all. I mean, it, yeah. It's not. I mean, in it, the way of a grimy strip club. No, it's, it's not like, grimy in the in the sense of like. No, it's not grimy in the like I'm gonna have sex with this person for eighty dollars. Right. It's it's not grimy in that way at all. It's this just abs- wild wild show. You know, you it's like well, first of all, there was like women. There was a, like female boxing the night we went. <laughs> so there's there was like a part of the night where there's women boxing and then there's you know a different girls will come up and go go to the pole and at one of the different poles i mean this place is enormous they'll be at one of the poles doing their show like you know i've seen the girl will like climb up the pole to the ceiling and this is not like five feet we're talking like 25 feet and then fall straight down the pole and catch herself with her legs before she hits the ground. That's like a, a horrible animated gif waiting to happen. Yeah, I'm sure there's animated gifs of people like not succeeding at this, but you know, and then <laughs> there, the, there are and they're very funny. The, the girl is on the hanging on the pole and clutching a Voss water, if you know what a Voss water yeah, with her ass cheeks. But it's that's not even that's just like some normal stripper shit that no one's paying attention to. Because what what's really happening is like the rain making there's right, a, there's yeah, a dude a there, like, people were making it right there was a dude it was like a mild night so you could tell it was a mild night there's a dude in the there was a dude in the corner by the speaker there's a girl grinding against him he's a giant stack of ones and he's just dropping them on her and you cannot see like hit from his ankles down is just ones and there's employees running around with rakes and shovels and buckets and just collecting the ones and there's you know there's Wings and there's you can get your hair cut. <laughs> Are you serious? You All, can get your hair cut at the strip club? A bunch of my friends got their haircuts, and they get you know you get KOD like shaved into your fade. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's just like nothing you've ever seen before, but it feels very like sort of like Bacchanalian. Is that the word? Whatever. Yeah. It, it, like like into the world type of insanity, and yeah. you know football players are you know making it rain. And it's like. Yo, you might not make any money next year. Like, if you get hurt, you might, like, you know, it's just crazy. Um, but it's, you know, you know, you go, you might be the only white person. It's an interesting place. It's a really interesting place. And if people were, no one was weird to us. Everyone was like super cool. It was like a very pleasant experience. It was never an unpleasant experience. I got food poisoning from eating earlier, and I was, I ended up throwing up in the parking lot at five in the morning. And like, <laughs> you know, my friends, some of my friends stayed there till like seven, eight in the morning. I'm going to turn this song up so you can hear it. This is uh, the R.L. Grime remix of Benny Benassi's Satisfaction, which is like trap crossing over into fucking full-on Beatport top 10 music. dislike any of this stuff it's like fun i get it you know what i mean yeah I, I never like will be like i'm gonna incorporate this into my set because then i'd have to like figure out what it is and download it which is way too much work for me <laughs> oh it's cool but when i when i hear this stuff 
And this is gonna sound weird. What I think of is DJ Shadow and how popular DJ Shadow got in the 90s. And I think it, to me, it reminds me a lot of that, all that stuff, that sort of like, what was that genre called? Down tempo? Yeah. It reminds me a lot of like down tempo and DJ Shadow in the sense that like, this is what rap music sounds like right now. And like, white people love nothing more than black music without black people on it. Yeah. Like no one, no one that, you know, you, those like white disco guys, they love to get a disco record and like edit it. So there's no singing. <laughs> they love to find like a classic with the instrumental and just play the instrumental. And like in the sense, in the way that like DJ shadow made like sample based hip hop, like this thing that like, you're sort of like average white person with no sort of with like a liberal arts degree could really get into like this. That's what this reminds me of. Cause it's like, it just sounds like a rap song with like but instead of having a rapper on it you add doodads yeah so it's all just like rappers with doodads in the same way that like all that down tempo stuff was like it's a hip-hop beat but we took the rapper off and we like was sprinkled on it right and like right, yeah white people love that shit they yeah. just love it because it's like ah, oh, this is great it's like got a cool beat but like that guy sounds so angry what's he saying well what if you approach it from the other direction which is that this is a classic electro song with different drums on it that plays too. I think that plays too. I think anything, if you make any kind of dance music with like sort of like 808s and heavy bass, like that, those, these kind of drum sounds, like you can't knock it. It's in some way, it's like electro. And just because the tempo is weird, it doesn't mean it's like not something that, that like should be considered. Yeah. I mean, to me, I mean, I'm not going to well, consider I'm it cause I'm because I'm old and lazy. You, you play a lot of like full on top 40 white music in clubs what i do on saturday night i play at the jane hotel and like i play i play rock 80s a little hip-hop a little top 40 so it's like you know i i i do i play um what's that new uh oh what what's that shit called calvin harris calvin harris with a girl from that the redhead ellie, that? ellie golding no 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 she's blonde bro it's Calvin Harris and oh man, what's the call? Florence and the Machine. Yeah, Calvin yeah, Harris. Right. Yo, that record is hot. But it's like Calvin Harris and Florence and the Machine, and like you know, seven minutes later, um, might be playing like uh, Blind Melon. Yeah, but it's not just like it's not that kitchen sinky. Like my that's always been my thing is to like, well, let's get there, but have it make sense and be like, oh yeah, I, I understand how we got there. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So like there's a way to get there and that's sort of how I play there. And like for a little while I got, I was kind of getting bored there and I started just playing top 40. Yeah. What's, is this that Calvin This is Harris the song? Grand Theft and Diplo remix of that Calvin oh, Harris, which is another Grand Theft are Canadian guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh man, I had made fun of those guys on the hollerboard and I was so... Yeah, Team Canada. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, how could you not make fun of something called Team Canada? <laughs> but anyways... Yeah, I remember so, you saying that you threw their CD out of the car. I think I'm, I don't, I might have, or somebody, you know, not know. Anyways, I don't know. But so these guys, I kind of think they wanted to beat me up. I was so sick. I was like deathbed sick and had to DJ in Montreal, which I had no business DJing there. I had no idea what to play or what to do. I was completely out of my element. Montreal is totally weird though. It's not like anywhere else in the world. No, either. yeah, like I had Paris no idea what was something. going on. And it was also kind of before any top 40 DJ would have like, hundreds and hundreds of house songs in his computer and could like bullshit a night of house yeah so it was like 
you know, I, I was playing 10, 10 house songs a night at the time. And I'm a mean, commercial house. Um, yeah, because you can't play deep house anywhere but like Cielo or whatever. Yeah. And so, anyway, so those, I, I think they really wanted to beat me up or have some type of confrontation. And, and I'll, they offer me a drink and I don't drink. And I was like, you know, I was too sick. I was literally like too sick to like do the dance. And so, you know, Team Canada, if you're listening, the comments that I made on the hollerboard were probably inappropriate and uh, from a, an asinine place. So I do apologize. Well, um, I had a weird thing with them too because uh, we were doing something for a winter music conference and they MySpaced me and we're like, hey, can we get on this thing? Like our friends, small town DJs are on it and it's just some showcase or some shit. And uh, just That's like, a no-no, right? I, it, it, it's it's kind of amateur hour, but it. So I was just like, I don't. I'm not booking it. I'm just booked at it. And then the response back on the MySpace message was just like, Okay, word. Also, next time you do a mashup, like make sure it's in key. <laughs> just this weird sideways <laughs> shot. No, but you know what? I think that I think they did really really well in Canada. I feel like they made like they did really well. Like they were like a strong thing. Well, up that's there. the thing is that, is is that now I'm friends with them. But they came up to me at Winter Music Conference and like, oh shit, like, uh, it's really good to meet you. I like what you do. And I was like, well, on MySpace, you said this. And they're like, <laughs> mortified. And they're like, oh fuck, our intern runs our MySpace. <laughs> and we fired him because of weird shit like that. <laughs> That's so funny. And so now like Grand Theft, you know, we do a lot of stuff with him. Like he, we, we release records by him on TNA. Uh and he's great, and he's a fucking ripper too. Like he can, you know, you put him in Atlantic City or uh, or Vegas or New York or anywhere, he's gonna he destroys the rub whenever he plays at the rub. But then he can play in Montreal and play like, you know, nothing but weird trap and and weird house and electro and shit and kill it like that too. That's he's, cool. He's a really dope working DJ. I can't do that. I could play a grime song. I like Grimes. <laughs> it's like what I listen to. Um, I want to uh, I want to play a, a a song that you uh, that I know that you like. Oh, there you go. Did you read the book that came out? No. It's really good. What is it? What is it? Uh, it's called "There Is a Light That Never Goes Out," but it's not. They changed like maybe there's like a word, a bit of it that's changed. Maybe it's just "There Is a Light." I can't remember. But it's, you know, the guy did a lot of heavy, heavy duty research, wrote a book about the career arc of the Smiths. And there's no like, it ends when the band breaks up. There's no like Morrissey, like there's no like pages and pages of like Moria, Morrissey solo work. It ju- it ends when the band breaks up. And they and they have, um, Johnny Marr contributed a lot to it. Morrissey obviously didn't contribute anything. But Johnny Marr contributes a lot and you get the whole story. And it's really cool. And like, if you like this shit, it's like, it's a great read. It's super entertaining. The first time they go to New York, um, Lovebug Starsky gives them all coke. They're like first experience with cocaine. Cause cocaine is like cheap and everywhere in New York at the time. And like in Manchester, there's no fucking blow. So there's like cool stuff like that. And like, it's, it's really interesting. And like the basic story is that they didn't have a manager and like, that's kind of why they broke up. And, and like, they didn't it's like the Mar Morrissey blowout was like not that big but it it just it got big because there was nobody sort of not in charge but nobody to be like hey guys like nobody you guys, could run interference or like point out the bigger picture 
There was no. They were young, and there was. Well, Mar was younger than Morrissey. They were pretty young. Mar was like, you know, he was young. Morrissey was like a few years older than those guys. Um, but there's no one just be like, hey, like it's not that big a deal. Like, why don't you guys sit down and talk? And it would inevitably happen. They would inevitably split up. But the kind of thing is like, if there had been somebody there, they maybe got a couple more albums out of them. But it, it's a really cool story, and like the way they describe Morrissey is is cool because. You know those people that are like around the scene and you're just like, oh, this guy again. You know what I mean? Like, this is not to be like a dick, but Morrissey was maybe kind of like that girl in Purple Crush for a little while. <laughs> he was he was like a hanger on and he was always writing to music magazines and like wouldn't shut up about the New York Dolls. He like ran the New York Dolls. He was kind of like a the herb. And he like would hang out at, at this one, uh, this one like label office and kind of like annoy everybody. Um... But he, and then you know there's people that are like that were like oh that guy's a fucking loser he's going nowhere and there's like a couple other there were other people that were like oh you could just tell like he had that intensity that like like you need to make it and I don't know I think that's interesting so you, you like never know like you know the you, you know you grow up with you come up with somebody you come from the same scene and like you never know who's gonna be like the guy you know what I mean you can you never you can never tell like I went to college um, with the guy. The main guy from uh, the bravery, two of them. Uh, <laughs> the the, the, yeah, but but you know what I mean. Like that guy played in a band uh, with my friend Eugene. There was like a ska band, right? S- yes, yeah, Skaba the Hut. Eugene <laughs> is the keyboard player and one of the main writers for Escort for the disco band. Oh yeah. But at Vassar, they played in this big shitty band together because Eugene's from Boston and you play in big shitty ska bands in Boston in the Boston's 90s. Boston's sick. <laughs> <laughs> I love Boston. It's such a dump. I love it. I love Boston. I just love Boston. It's great. I I, I hate the New York Boston hate thing. It sucks. My, you know, my dad went to BU and, and we grew up rooting for the Red Sox. So like, I hate the Yankees and I just... I, I hate the New York like Boston animosity because Boston's just like such a great fucking shithole. It's really a strange place. It is so fucking segregated. It's everyone is you know people are fucking racist as shit. They're poor. Yeah, the white though they're like poor ass. Yeah, it's like it's like Philly. Yeah, and they're like racist as fuck. And I don't know. It's got you know what's cool about Boston? It is fucking gorgeous. I grew up in a town with some of those colonial. Uh, townhouses and that type of vibe. I mean, Boston in the summertime, it is fucking gorgeous, groovy. Um, they just announced the Coachella, Coachella right? Stone yeah. Roses. And Stone Roses are playing Coachella, and there's a Tumblr that's just called uh, "Who Are the Stone Roses?" <laughs> Tumblr dot com or whatever. I mean, it's absurd. I mean, are they going to play this song for an hour? The, no, they're going to play the other song, which is, in fact, I think. Is is the, that's the song for Stone Roses? I mean, this is like the song with the funky drummer, but it's um, oh, what's the other one called? Uh, it's the um, hold on, I have to sing it to myself, and I'm not gonna do it under the microphone because I have I have the opposite of perfect pitch. I have no pitch. You know what the song needs? It needs is bad, decent iPhone app. I think this. I don't think this thing is available anymore on the i on the iTunes store. 
still available? Oh, I guess it is still available. I thought it had like, something was out of print. Uh, what I miss? I just thought this song needed a little mad decent iPhone app. So did you figure out the song? I did, and then I forgot because I started playing with the app. Um, <laughs> I want to be adored. That's the Stone oh. Roses song. That's the that's the song. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, this is you know this is what it is, this and is it's the cool like song, it, this yeah. is the important song in sort of like the history of British people using funky drummer. But I want to be adored. It's the song. It's, that's the song. Yeah, I seen the like oh, I can't remember maybe Ellie or Lloyd played it at Tiki Disco, and I was just like, fuck. It was so good. It was great. It was great. That's the song. Uh, here, okay. Th- this is a. Uh, I, I, I don't think you like this music, but it'll give us something to talk about. Some nights I stay up oh, this is fun. Yeah. You know, I don't play this one. I play the other one because I don't want to play two fun songs, but I, I like the other one. It's like a jock jam. I like jock jams. Cause when you know, I I went to a lot of baseball games last summer, and they would always have like the like you know David Ortiz hitting home runs to like the uh, the fun song and like drummers. I like it. I like all this kind of shit. Well, the reason I'm playing it is because the, the dude from Fun he's like around, right? He's like a guy people know. That's Lena Dunham's boyfriend. Oh yeah 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 yeah. One of the guys from Fun from Fun. Yeah yeah he had he had he kind of looked like uh yeah I saw him at the Golden Globes. He had the like sides of his head shaved. Yeah. Uh, so you, you you're like the the girl's super fan. I would not say super fan. Well, I mean, you did but, post on Instagram that you got a care package from HBO with yeah. all, like tons of girls merchandise. Well, is why yeah, I they up. sent me. Well, because like okay, so this is what happened last year. What? Well, no, I'll go back a little further. For a while, I've been trying to find a movie poster for the movie Party Girl, the Parker Posey movie. Right. Yeah. And. So, I, uh, side note: I wanted to play the Ultranette Party Girl song. That's a good song. You know what's a really good song from that soundtrack? Is there's a um, Delight is on it. Yeah, there's a bunch of good songs on that soundtrack. But there's a Tom Tom Club. No, it's another. It's a really good Shante Savage song on that soundtrack. Okay. Um, oh, so anyways, so I was looking on Forever for a Party Girl, the movie movie poster. It's fucking impossible. Okay. And oh yeah, because she has it on the, on her ceiling. In, in which, well, this is this is a bunch of good tie-ins to this. In the worst episode of last season, the first season when she goes home to visit her parents, it's the worst episode of the season. So when her dad away. falls down, yes, yeah. Um, there's a party girl poster in her bedroom, which is inaccurate for that character. They're just sort of like she trading on. She wouldn't know about it. She wouldn't know about it. Like that character is has no would not know about party girl. And they're just trading on the cachet of like the cool cachet of like knowing about Party Girl. Um, I feel like this. And so anyway, so they tweet. The, so whoever runs the social media for girls tweets like, you know, who had a Party Girl poster in the room or some shit. And I, I don't get into a war with them, but I'm like, look, look, Hollywood social media person. Do you know how it's impossible to find a girl's, I mean, a uh, uh, Party Girl movie poster. And they'd send me a link and I was like, and I, I had to send the link back to them with like a screen cap that, that, that like explained that the poster was like not original and not the right size. And I was like, this is a fugaze, this is a fugaze. And like, this is bullshit. <laughs> they, they tried to like, don't, don't send me to like the shitty poster store online and, and try to tell me this is like a real, it's not a real party girl poster. I know I've been looking for one for a while 
And I was, I was kind of like indignant because like, oh, thanks for nothing. Like now other people are going to start looking for this. I'm really never going to find one. And, um, and they're like, oh, you know, LOL, we're sorry. And like, they sent me a bunch of like some, a t-shirt and like stickers and girls microwave pot. It's like a promotional set to have like a girls party at your house. But the other thing about that episode is that like, as soon as I watched it and Judd Apatow's, um, an executive producer, he's made some really good stuff. He's made some really bad stuff. And as soon as I watched that, that episode where she goes home, I was like, this episode reeks of Judd Apatow. And I was like, ah, oh, and I tweeted like, this is the worst episode yet. And this like stupid scene with the parents having sex, like reeks of Judd Apatow, like keep his dirt, keep your dirty hands off of it. And so Judd Apatow actually like hate tweeted me back. He like tweeted back at me something. He's like pissed off. Yeah. And then, and like months and months later, I'm but, reading. But the mom is also the mom from Freaks and Geeks. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna fin- uh, let me finish. Sorry. So, so I'm complaining. I, so I'm twittering about how it's, it's like you know has Judd Apatow's dirty handprint all over it, and like he tweets back mad at me, and I'm just like LOL. And then like months later, I'm looking on IMDb, and it turns out the first season that is the only episode that Judd Apatow has a writing credit on. Right. And I was right, and it pissed him off. But yeah, yeah. I like girls. I, I wasn't into last week's episode. I wasn't into like the Donald Glover. He's he wasn't good. He wasn't a good actor. I don't think like they improv that scene where they talk about race and I race is like a really touchy thing. And I feel like a really important thing to like address well. And I thought the way they improv it wasn't good. And I just, I, I didn't like the last episode, but I, there's a lot of things wrong with the show girls that I could complain about, but, but I really, really like it. And the, the only thing, the only complaint I really have about it is that like they kind of try to make it about Williamsburg, but it's not, it's just about like rich white girls. Yeah. And they like when they started out, there was a sort of like plot line about like her being like poor, or maybe having to work. But they kind of like abandoned the like worrying about their money situation because like it's just about rich white girls. And her movie, Lena Dunham's movie, Tiny Furniture, which I I knew was going to be the worst movie I've ever seen in my life until I watched it, and I was like, that's sick. It's really good. Oh, is it? I tried. I tried it, and then got kind of distracted in the first fifteen minutes. And I liked it. It's it. really arty, and you have to be willing to look at this fucking piglet in her underwear i mean she's like that's her thing is to be like ugly she's like a fucking piglet she's like fat and it's great i love it it's like really funny it's remarkable that there's somebody who's that fat who just has no chest at all too it's (laughs) it's it's all she looks like a man it's all in like these weird places yeah she knows what she's doing she she has like a, a real you know she went to one of those colleges she has that the thing I liked about Tiny Furniture is it's like, you know, she's a rich girl. Her, her mother's an artist. Her father's a big artist. You know, her mom plays herself in, in Tiny Furniture and her sister plays her sister in Tiny Furniture. But Oh, it's, that's it's, her real mom? It's a real mom and a real sister. And so like, you know, she it's not like she's coming from a place where it's like tough for her to make this movie. Her mom's like an artist and is willing to like be an actress in her movie. But it, it's really, really authentic. And you're really like, you're like, yo, this is your fucking life. And it's like a really cool kind of thing. It's like kind of brave in that way. And the only thing I didn't like about girls is that it's like kind of pretended to be about girls that weren't uh, that weren't wealthy and stuff. Oberlin. Oberlin. There you go. She is that in Oberlin. Ohio? Yeah. 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 But tiny furniture is tight. I, I really liked it. I thought I was going to hate it, but it's great. There's a scene where she gets like railed in. She gets railed in like a pipe in, a, in like a empty parking lot, like a like a sewer pipe that isn't installed yet. Uh-huh. And I just kind of like that kind of stuff. Like the, <laughs> I don't know. I, life is like that. Life is like shit. Life is really hard for girls, for women, especially in New York. Like. There's, you know, you know, it's tough for girls here to get, you know, there's, there's always like a 24 year old girl that's going to fuck you when in New York. And like, 
even if the like t- the twenty like girls get older and they they like, become less desirable, there's like the city is always crawling with like twenty four year old girls that want to have sex with like anybody that will, will let them. Yeah, and it's like it's tough on women, and I kind of like feel for them, and I kind of like I enjoy I don't enjoy like you mean tough for women in the way that it's competitive because yeah, you're I mean, competing just, with twenty four year old whores. It's just yeah, it's just tough on girls, you know. There's like more kind of like more girls and guys. The guys here are self absorbed dickheads. Like well, every- I, my experience here is that 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 so many women have been burned so many times yeah. by yeah. shitty dudes yeah. that like it it takes a lot to to sort of crack through like that jadedness and like you know wall that they build up around themselves yeah but you, I, you, I'm, I'm not talking about 24 year old girls you're talking about older chicks yeah 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 they, i mean they've they've been through the ringer it's tough i mean it's Candyland for dudes here i mean it's not not candy land for them but it's fucking candy land for dudes like if, if you, you're very handsome though too it doesn't matter though. I see these. I know fucking guys that are ugly, and they uh, look. No one gets le- gets less hot chicks for how good looking they are than me. Okay. Well, yeah, because you also have your personality. I have a terrible personality. <laughs> I have a fucking terrible personality, and like, it, it doesn't lend well. My personality does not lend well to have like having sex with models. You know what I mean? <laughs> There's, there's only. I, I think you don't have a filter. I, you know, that's fine, and I, I just think it's boring. I get bored when I have to like filter myself to like if I'm gonna like, filter myself just to, like fuck a hot girl. I'd much rather have like rotten, nasty sex with a girl that like likes horror movies and has Star Wars tattoos. Well, what do you, what do you think it is though? Uh, I don't want to dig in too much on you, uh, that's okay. but. Do you have like super ADD? What do you mean? Just you're like just raw spitting out like venom whenever you have a dark mood or whatever. Um, yeah, I don't do it that much anymore. I'm much more like PMA these days. I've learned to control it. Um, I don't know. You know, I don't. When I was a kid, I was on like Prozac, but I don't. I, I you know, I feel like any day of the week, if you took me to a psychiatrist. They would probably want to put me on something, but I just not interested. I, you know, I, you know, I, I get by without. <laughs> I think that we're like people are really over medicated, and it's like weird and scary. It does weird stuff to your prick. Like I never had when I was a kid. I never had the like oh nut experience because I'm Prozac. It's like hard to nut. So like I, I didn't. The first time I really, the first real like oh experience I had, I was like 20 with this like half Japanese girl, and it was like. It just, it was, it was like, I got laughed at a little bit afterwards, but when I was younger, the Prozac was just like, the first time I had sex, I didn't even nut. I had a condom on, but I didn't nut. Well, but, but I'm saying though, like you still, you're still like (laughs) kind of a troll. Like you, you, you tweet incendiary shit. Oh yeah. My, I still get a little bit on Twitter, but Twitter's kind of like, I feel like it's, it's, I don't, I feel, yeah. I mean a little bit. I try not to like attack people. Or like, I think that if you're like a really successful musician, like you're, or like a producer or DJ, like your career is open to like, not attack, but open to like discussion. And like, we can talk, like we can talk, but you know, I just try to like, no one's good at DJing. So like, I don't really bash DJs anymore. So I, I really, I really think there's like, like everyone's okay at DJing, but for like me to be like, oh, 
it, it takes a lot. And like tech technical ability is like the least interesting aspect of DJing. But sometimes you you kind of need it too though. But I don't know. DJing's weird. Like people aren't good. Club DJs in New York are like really bad. You guys all are shit. Well, that's that's what's funny about like the like the Red Bull three styles, for example. Oh, but the guys you... that win from New York are never gonna be able to compete no. with the with the guys from out of town because we we've been we've we've you just can't you don't you're not flashy here in the way or this is maybe more of coming up in the '90s DJing here. Like you didn't want to look like you were flashy. It's the same. It's no. the same reason like Ellie doesn't scratch. He can scratch. He just he'll scratch when he gets drunk a little bit, but he's not like a scratcher. But but it, it's that shit. Or, or like DJ Eleven never scratches just because it's some shit of like some cool guy shit. Like you don't want to look like you're working really hard. Like yeah, but the also Ellie working. You're playing fast. Like every second that like I or someone else spent like learning how to scratch most of that those hours and hours and hours of time that I might have spent doing that Ellie devoted to like learning more about music and like doing and like learning how to produce yeah well and he also played in a band and yeah I mean he's like a talent he's like a real talent I'm talking about a style though like if you put Ellie in the Red Bull 3 style no like it it would go over people's heads yeah there's no but when you're really 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 doing some shit DJing no one can tell I'll tell you like some of the like I remember this night except at for Riz yeah well Riz is a different story Riz is a great DJ Riz is a fucking genius too what a guy he's an awesome guy I he thought I was so weird when I first met him he's like yo this guy's crazy <laughs> anyways but he's so, from Canarsie yeah he's awesome his I mean, world view is there, there's a, a great story yours. about him hitting this like 40 something milf over the head with his penis that's I don't know the whole story. Braun from the Blade Runners can tell it for you if you ever talk to him. If you see him, ask him. Be like, Braun, tell me the story about Riz hitting the Boston chick with his cack. It's great. Um, he didn't like... It was not. It was non-sexual. He like chased her around and beat her with it because she was like, I heard it was big. And he's like, I'll show you. And it's, it's like he, Braun tells it very well because he, he was there. Yeah. Um, but oh, what was I going to say? Oh, the three style thing. Well, of two things. The, some nights that I remember being like, like I couldn't believe how good I was. Was like I remember a night at Marquee where it was kind of like tonight. It started snowing, or maybe not snowing, but the weather was shit and it wasn't crowded. And I was like, I'm gonna fucking keep these people here. And there's like, if you were to record the set, you'd be like, oh, it sounds like an okay set. But there was like, it was so much work and so much sort of like song selection and sort of like really because that's one it of those out. things where you can let the air out of the balloon with two songs in a row. One. One one or two songs. Two songs in a row at peak hour, and then once it starts to fail, one song, and it's over. Like, how long can you go before you, like, make that misstep? And no one really knows. You have to be working all the time and understand the audience that the DJ is playing for to know when that's happening. And it's like, an, if you know when it's happening, it's like, wow. But I, I'm like... Because it pre- still takes, like, 10 or 15 minutes to lose half of the crowd. But you can see when it starts, there's not really any there's getting nothing it back. There's nothing you can do. It's over. Because if you try to steer too hard one way or the other way then it like sort of reeks of desperation yeah, and, and alienates playing people. like when it's not so crowded playing like certain hits just sounds absurd like when you go to some to open to someone's opening for you and you go and they're like playing hits it's like yo it's 11 30 you don't get that this song sounds up fucking absurd right now like i know it's a hit and everybody likes it and like maybe someone that's going to leave in a half hour is glad you played it but it sounds crazy 
like this Rihanna breakdown right now. It's 1130. Like play a fucking old Ja Rule song or something. Yeah, it's not New Year's Eve. But anyways, I was to say about three style is that um, when nine times out of 10, when I w- would see those things or like see these DJ kind of contests, not sort of like the modern DMC things, but something like three style. Most of the time I'm like, oh, if I really, if I wanted to, I could like be, be win this. If I like took the time to like put a thing together, I could probably win this. And when I watched Zach's thing, I was like, oh, I don't think I could beat this guy. That's, but that's now though. I mean like, no, I, mean, I know, I know, I know. I meant, I meant now. Like Momo were in it. You could have won that that New York one, and that's the thing is like Sam French. I no, think that's what I'm saying. I mean, won the nationals, but because he's more eclectic, he can scratch and all that shit. Moma's skill set just doesn't travel the, the, outside yeah, of the New DC, York. Yeah, and that's the not taking anything away from him because he's a great DJ. But but it really is like a very nuanced selection based, like smooth thing, yes. and knowing your crowd, kind knowing of thing. your crowd, knowing what's going on, and that's like, yeah. Um, but I, I don't know. I just think I, well, if, when I saw Zach sing, I was like, oh, I, I could not beat this person, even if I like really tried hard. I don't think yeah, I could. He's such an animal. Yeah, but he's like one of those fucking guys is good at everything. Yeah, like he's, if he's skateboarding, you know, he's going to be good. Yeah, if he's, he's like, like oh, I, I haven't skated in a year. Yeah. I haven't skated in like a year. And then he's like already like better than he's better than I am. And I've been skating like, you know, three times a week. And then, like, he's like, oh, like, I'll just whip up. I know how to do graphic design. Like, I'll oh, want me to build your furniture from Ikea and, like, juggle. He's like, that <laughs> fucking guy. Yeah. But, no, his set's really cool. And, like... He has great energy, too. Yeah, he's, like, a nice... He's, like, one of those... I feel like he's, like, accidentally succeeding in the sort of, like, DJ world. Yeah. You know, because he's, like, a full-time job guy with a kid and a wife. And also name a famous DJ from Seattle. Well, there's none. Well, there's... Supreme. Sir makes a lot... Supreme and DJ Scene, who's like a Vegas kind of like open format DJ, but Scene's like a really technically like a really really good DJ. Yeah, but it's it's not a place that's known for like launching people's careers. People don't. Macklemore went to Evergreen. <laughs> I, I, this is my favorite thing. I tweet it all the time. Macklemore went to Evergreen. If you don't know Evergreen State College, it's like the most liberal sort of like hairy armpits fucking college in America. It's where, you know, Sleater Kenny is like from there. It's where, what's her name? The girl that was that's married to the Beastie Boy, the, the Riot Girl, Kathleen Hanna's. Kathleen Hanna, Bikini Kill, they're, they're formed at Evergreen. It's very liberal, very, I feel like you make your own curriculum. Like, you know, it's like that kind of place. But yeah, Macklemore, Evergreen graduate. He's from the Northwest. Oh, Rock to Guetta. Great mashup. Cousin Cole still thinks his Kelly Clarkson mashup is better than this, but you're wrong. He's wrong. <laughs> what, did, what was his cousin, uh, uh, his Kelly Clarkson mashup? It was a Baltimore kind of thing. I think, you know, it might have been big at Savalas. I don't know. <laughs> Turntable Lab just reissued your, uh, your outfield. They didn't reissue it. They just put the, gave away the MP3s. Yeah. Well, I mean. Yeah. They made a big deal of it. I mean, they, you know, made a they make a big deal about anything. <laughs> Why does Pete love you so much? Because you're so mean to him and he just like, just always comes yeah, back for more. Self-hating Asian. 
My favorite Pete story is the the Woody and Pete story. You know that story, right? This is Pete Hahn, who's Pete uh, Hahn's one of the Turntable Lab. Please, I, I hope he doesn't listen to this. If if you if you know Pete, don't tell myself. He'll love this. it. He'll love it. So Pete sits down Woody one day. Who's Woody is a longtime Turntable Lab employee, fellow Asian. Pete's Korean. Woody's Chinese, but you know Asian Americans. I think maybe first generation kind of Asian, and both Asian Americans. And you know Woody, he loves white women. And you know, and you know, he, you know, there's sort of that, like, you know, the, the many years of, you know, white first generation white Asian Americans, like, and the broken hearts that, that, that come with the chasing of white women. So, anyways, so I, you know, you know, I guess Woody may be going through like a thing with with a white chick or whatever. And Pete sits him sits him down and is like, "You have to stop chasing white women. You have to like, you have to be with your kind." It's like never gonna be. It's like never gonna work. Like it's we're we're not meant to do that. He gives him like a serious, like a like a serious Korean, like you know. That was also post him dating a white girl who was also his employee at Turntable Lab. Who we're not gonna. Well, no, well we're not I mean, out that. I'm not gonna go deep into like Pete's sex life or like you know. But he he sat Woody down and was like. You have as like a let me tell you I'm a little older I'm a little wiser you have to stop chasing these white women I just thought it was really funny <laughs> like I just wish I could have seen it because Pete's not a great communicator no you know what I mean he's not he kind of he's like kind of like my dad's kind of like that my dad's not a, terrib- a great communicator is really <laughs> understating it. he's borderline autistic yeah he's not a great communicator so that he felt so so like this is such an important thing to like sit Woody down and impart to him. It's just really funny, and also just sort of like it's it's you know it's oh, the modern era. It's interesting to someone that's sort of like progressive and sort of like is a forward thinker and owns a sort of like progressive sort of, business. It's also kind of his own. Like Pete is, I bet he's just like his dad. Yeah, 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 yeah. For you know, sure. he does not seem like second or third generation. He seems like he's still pretty fucking conservative. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Know? And I'm not saying like politically or socially conservative, whatever. Maybe maybe socially conservative. But just in that in that sense of like, you do things this one way, yeah. You know, I mean, my like parents, I'm sure his dad told him that too. Yeah, my parents are like die-hard liberals, but like, I also like would freak out if I was like alone in the house with a girl because my mom grew up Catholic. Well, they're like super. Li- my mom's like a super liberal. Like, she even had to stop reading like blogs because she was like so into like liberal blogs and being like mad at Republicans. She's like a little sort of like tunnel vision-y. But, but then also like super conservative at the same time. Yeah. So. Well, she's old. Yeah. Yeah, they're old. My parents are like almost 70. I haven't, I haven't heard this song in a while. This is like, this kind of house music sounds like it's from another century now. I've weirdly started playing some of these kind of songs. Like a old school. Again. It's like old school for yeah. the kids. You know what people love and I knew this was going to happen? Like, find like the job rule what's love as old school yeah oh that's been it's working really so good for me big job rule yeah. what's love is like can be yeah, the ja biggest song fat of the Joe night yeah. and no fat joe what's love why am i saying job rule but but but, but, but this is all the same, same genre stuff. and lean back and like random uh 50 cent songs and yeah no totally and the, and and r&b jagged edge and nelly where yeah, the party yeah, at is yeah. like it's it's like it's brand new sometimes Cause he's, I don't know. People were like in junior high when that came out, or like ten. I don't know. We're gonna wrap it up. Okay. Uh, this has been small talk with Rockticon. Uh, tell people 
um, how, how to follow, how to follow you yeah, on Twitter. Yeah, yeah. And I'm such. into this. Well, I, I'm I'm trying to get a book deal, so I'm gonna I'm gonna really be getting into social media if I get a book deal to promote my book. Um, so you can follow me at Rockcon. That's the A with the circle around it. R O C T A K O N. My Instagram is the same name. R O C T A K O N. Do not have a website. I do not have a Facebook because I had to delete my Facebook because I have a girlfriend. Because if I have a Facebook, I'll be like, hey, what's up, whore? <laughs> like some girl from two years ago, so I had to delete it. This is Small Talk. We will talk to you shortly. Bye. Brooklyn. Radio. Brooklyn. Radio. Okay. Radio. Fucking Brooklyn. Radio.